Get out of my pub. Get out of my pub right now! I'm not going anywhere. Hello and welcome to Get Out of My Pod. I'm Una. I'm Nav. And how are you doing, Nav? You know what? Not going to mention the world right now because uh, we are where we are, you know, and it is what it is. So, Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> and isn't EastEnders super exciting right now? Oh my God. A lot happened this week. Yeah, it did. It A did. lot. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, because of the amount we've got to get through, let's just go straight into the podcast. Let's skip the bit where we ask each other how we are, because... Because what's the point? Come on. What is the point? <laughs> and uh, have we got any EastEnders news to kick off on? Um, well, there's a little bit of news, obviously, uh, Strictly finished this week, last week. It did, it did. Maisie was a finalist, but she didn't quite get over the line. And I think, you know, with, with Bill, if people don't know, Bill Bailey, the comedian, won... Uh, with his partner OT and uh, I'm a Strictly fan Una Una doesn't watch it um, but I think everybody was kind of happy about it and probably even EastEnders fans were probably happy about it yeah to be honest I really wanted Maisie to win um, I thought she was amazing I was just, as I was telling now before we started recording I haven't watched a single episode of Strictly and I'm not interested in watching an episode of it but I like to follow it from a distance and I watched the clips of Maisie's dances um, I thought she was amazing but yeah, couldn't be happier to see Bill Bailey become the nation's sweetheart. Absolutely. A bit of joy in this bleak, bleak year. So, What a lovely man. What a lovely man indeed. And I think we're going to give a little shout out as well to another uh, lovely man, uh, David Corbett, who is a avid fan and gives us really insightful feedback. Yeah, he does. We always get some insight on the storylines from David. He said that he was also expecting a flashback episode and agreed with you, Nav, about um, maybe it's all right that Callum doesn't jump to support Stuart at every instance, considering the, the complicated history there. Right, yeah. Any of us who've got, you know, complicated relationships with family members, I think, has a lot of, a lot of empathy for that, for that situation. Although, you know, I don't excuse Callum's other behaviour, though. What, the behaviour of being a cop? Yes, exactly. Inexcusable. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, I think there was someone else, and I don't know if it was David, but there was someone else on Twitter who clarified our slightly hilarious confusion as to why uh, Honey's son was shoplifting. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> For clarifying that to us, we are rubbish at paying. I actually like rewound that scene and played it again because I was so confused about what happened. And it took me, um, I think before Kylie tweeted it, I actually listened to Warford Weekly where they obviously understood the storyline straight away <laughs> because they're not stupid. Um, what, what? again just just remind me i think william was stealing the food for his mate at school whose dad was right. out of work so it wasn't billy that was out of work which is why i what i thought was happening and why i was confused about why honey like wasn't more concerned about the whole situation right and also how lovely of uh, william oh yeah what a sweetie lovely yeah. boy yeah <laughs> um we also didn't really do predictions although you kind of had one about ben last week right uh, I think was my prediction was that Ben is involved, um, yeah. but he didn't do it. Are you still? Absolutely. I feel like we had that confirmed yeah. this week. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, God, we are we are racing through this part of the podcast so quickly. Oh, we need to because I just can't believe how much happened this week. Oh, my days. Are we? Uh, I don't think we're going to 
probably we're not going to go through the suspect list maybe in the same way we did previous weeks, but shall we start on the non uh, who attacked Ian storylines? Yeah. Okay. Let's start there. So we saw Kush actually reaching out to Phil at the start of the week. And I think we said a couple of weeks back, like we were unsure like as to how Kush was going to leave. And I think briefly we were like, is he leaving by going to prison? And then I think we kind of slowly were like moved away from that mm. and went like, no, surely that can't be the case. Because particularly because as I understood it, and maybe I've got it wrong and I'll need to double check this, he still had like a year left on his contract. Right. But now with this latest storyline where he's going to take the hit, yeah. you know, some of the other like Phil possible crimes that he's committed, he could end up kind of getting sentenced for quite a long time. Um, and maybe that's how he does leave. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, I kind of wonder, I mean, I think it depends a lot on what happens with the Mitchells. There's like a lot of other storylines that tie into the Mitchells that kind of could cause a lot of problems for them. So it might be that like they set this up as a kind of um, ongoing drama for Kat and Kush. So we get to see more of them and like develop their relationship a little bit. And then it all kind of disappears if Phil gets brought down. Yeah, exactly. And also, once Kush has lied in court, what's his leverage to then renege yeah. on that? Because once he's lied in court, he's screwed. Yeah, I know. I was a little bit like, I don't know if this is a good deal for you, Kush, because all you've got is Phil's word that he'll like look after you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem very smart. Yeah, well... But I wonder, actually, if they will just tie this in as an extra element of the uh, kind of Callum-Ben storyline. Yeah, very possible. And uh, I think we're kind of moving ahead a bit with that now as well to kind of see whether like Callum is going to confess all to, to Ben at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think we are. Um, so the other storyline that was not a who whacked in storyline, um, well, less of a storyline and more of like fam- lots of family activity. Um, Patrick's back and we're seeing loads of Patrick and Kim. By the way, I don't know if the writers, like when they get like a briefing for each episode, because I think they have a writer for each episode. And I don't know if they get a briefing that says that whenever you write a scene for Patrick, it has to involve rum. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think it's problematic, but like it, it is a thing I've noticed. Yeah, they do it a lot. Maybe... Uh... Maybe some Caribbean people could, t- if you've got any Caribbean listeners, can you tell us how you feel about that? I'm always a bit yeah. like, yeah. I love him. I love his character. I think, like, I guess it's one of those things that EastEnders do often where they do play on like certain stereotypes. And I think they walk the line of things that could be a bit reductive or um, problematic, but like they also develop their characters really well. So we know who Patrick is aside from that like aspect of him. Yeah, definitely. My worry is, though, is that because of like his kind of demographic and like his kind of safety on the square, they're probably not going to be able to do an awful lot with his, with his storyline. So for example, you know, the part, the scene of him in the pub having a good time with Kim, Isaac was just sitting there in the background and it's like, are we going to talk about Patrick being Isaac's dad? Oh yeah. Right. So what happened? That was such a long time ago. I can't even remember. Does Isaac know that now? He found that out, right? Yeah, so literally before Patrick left uh, to go on holiday oh God, or whatever yeah. it was, it all came out. And now uh, <laughs> Patrick's just interested in rum, and that's it. Even though Patrick was so in turmoil 
before he left about wanting to tell Isaac and wanting to have a father-son relationship with yeah. him. Now he just sits there while Isaac sits at a separate table in the same pub. Well, listen, like as happy as I was, as delighted as I was to have Patrick back on the square, um, I have got in the back of my mind some worries about the who. What's the actor's name he plays, Patrick? Oh, mm, I can't remember, but a uh, Rudolph something, Rudolph. Yeah, or Rudolph something. Anyway, Rudolph something. Yeah. anyway, I'm, yeah. I've, I feel concerned about his health. So, yeah. you know, if they have to kind of, I don't know, like sideline some storylines in order to protect his well-being, I'm totally happy with that. I think if he maybe he has a storyline where he inherits a rum distillery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah excellent fine with me brilliant off you go patrick and bring back your patrick's own brand rum when yeah. it's safe to do so okay brilliant yeah patrick's back um i think maybe then good segue to talk about kim's storyline and her looking for a job um and we got an introduction to this new character mele i think it's mila mila sorry yeah. do you think do you think they're going to be a permanent character on the square i hope so um yeah already really enjoyed the those two's dynamic at the bar um i'd quite like to see kim get hired like anyway even though she messed up the interview um yeah no i think that'd be a good idea my i guess my only concern is does that mean we're not getting frankie back i think the cast definitely feels smaller and like uh, mila and frankie like are both young characters so in terms of their kind of safety of like filming like you know, there should be more room for characters like that, you know, and that'll be at the expense of the older characters. But as you say, like, rather they be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so maybe we'll get them both. Uh, yeah. Loved the scenes of the Albert. Really enjoyed it. I actually just loved how much we saw Kim this week. Oh, she was on fire. She's the only so thing funny. I'd say about Mila is that I absolutely loved her and I've got no problem with her having her first scenes with, with Kim. I hope they don't suddenly find a connection to like the fox family like just because it's another black person yeah like, she needs to be a separate character <laughs> right she can't right, move right. in with denise do you know what i mean it's like you can't you gotta stop doing this it's okay to have more than one black household right i know i know because mitch as well like mitch is now i think relatively independent of the fox family although yeah. actually he does have the connection through the the salon um but you know Stop it, guys. You need to stop doing this. <laughs> um, so we kind of saw, obviously, like Kim and Patrick just want to party, have a great Christmas, whereas Denise is kind of focused on trying to give Raymond this like traditional, more religious um, Christmas. And we saw her going to meet the pastor from mm. that church that she went to. Right. And we got a bit of the groundwork for Lucas' return ah! to come back with, with her mentioning that... Uh, you know, she's had a bad experience due yeah. to, to her involvement with Lucas. Which, sorry, understatement of the century. Like, she made it sound like, oh, I've got this ex who's like a little bit of a dickhead and was like a pastor. It's like, I no, your ex was a serial killer and he locked you in the basement for two weeks and everyone thought you were dead and they had your funeral. Yeah, but that's not like, you know, a bar table conversation, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have said he was violent, but then even that would have been An understatement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, you know, one thing that I'd completely forgotten about is um, uh, Denise's daughter Chelsea is coming back um, with a new head, unfortunately, which I think is a shame. But we haven't—I don't know how that's going to happen. And do you think that's going to happen via Lucas coming back? God, I don't know because actually, you know, when when Milo walked into the bar. I was a little bit like, 
oh, were they bringing back Chelsea with like a completely different new actor? And then obviously like immediately they she are. was someone else. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, and actually now I'm thinking that Mila, maybe Mila's the way that Chelsea comes back or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, anyway. Because it's all got to happen. Like, I mean, Lucas is in the Christmas trailer, isn't he? Although, like, obviously we don't see Chelsea in the Christmas trailer, but this has all got to happen pretty soon, hasn't it? Woo! Exciting time. Very exciting. Um, so the other non who in storyline is the annual Warford Square Christmas event. They do something different every year. It's always loads of fun. What was that? Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago. We were recording this a little bit later than we normally would. Yeah. Um, so they, I mean, I th- I'm not really sure how it ties into like Honey's community meal thing, but this week we saw the auditions for Bad Santa. Oh, yeah. Bad Santa. Yeah. Do you want to listen to um, a little clip of that? Do I? <laughs> <laughs> For the kids as it is. Oh. Plus, red ain't really my colour, is it? <laughs> Sweet cheeks, all colours are yours. Unbelievable. <laughs> 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 That's so well played, that scene. Like Isaac is so cool and they are wasting his talents. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. Kim's so funny. I'm sorry, I've got such a like huge distrust for anyone who doesn't like Kim. Do you know somebody who doesn't like Kim? Yeah, like, I, I feel like she's quite Marmite. Like, lots of people like her, and then some people are like, oh, no, she's so annoying, she's too over the top. Oh, leave it out. Give your head a shake. What a load of nonsense. <laughs> you know what, though? We got a brief uh, glimpse of Lola coming into the communion centre in that scene, and it just reminded me, when are they going to get Isaac and Lola together? Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, hopefully, 2021. I want to see that. Please, I just, absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed their date that they had. Yeah, just make it happen, guys. But yeah, that scene was incredible. And actually, Mitch, uh, Isaac, and Stuart were like the perfect guys to like, and Billy as well, like to to audition. Because you had the three slightly kind of bumbling men in like Stuart, Billy, and and Mitch, and then Isaac just completely like running them over. Throwing them out of water. (laughs) Exactly. But Isaac did turn it down and Mitch won the Bad Santa competition. So I guess he's going to be Sexy Santa for I don't know what, the like community meal or whatever's happening. Yeah, good for Mitch as well. You know, been a, a really tough year. So like, you know. I was very pleased to see Mitch back this week. We haven't seen him in a little while. Yeah, absolutely. The only one thing I would say, and I'm not saying people should live in a permanent state of grief, um, but Karen and Mitch this week, like... Um, there's not really any sense that their daughter died 
Yeah, first Christmas without their murdered daughter. Yeah, just yeah. not really getting those vibes. But no, and you know, as a viewer who's living in the hellscape of like reality, I don't mind a bit less misery on the square, <laughs> but maybe a nod to it here and there, like that would be good. Yeah, that would. I mean, there was a little nod about how like um, you know who was it? There was someone was talking to Mitch and kind of saying you need to think about the kids that you've got and the Christmas joy that they deserve. And that's why Mitch then went to like be the Santa. So they kind of, they're trying to do it, but yeah, it is. I mean, like we talked about this a little bit last week, like the whole Chantel and Grey situation and like that they just kind of dropped it. But like I do, it is a bit funny, like funny, strange, not funny, haha, that um, like how much Chantel has really just disappeared from the square. Well, actually, I think that's a good segue for us to get on to uh, Tina's sleuthing. Yeah, so, yeah, we saw a lot of Tina this week. She's heavily involved in the Who Whacked Ian situation and um, seems to be kind of starting to see the true grey. Yeah, which feels contrived right now and probably not the resolution to that storyline that would give me the greatest satisfaction. Yeah, I mean Tina doing the reveal. I, if it's not going to be Kira who gets who gets Grey in the end, then I want it to be someone really good. Yeah, and also I don't think there is enough. Like I think I, I like the parallel that they've drawn between her domestic violence situation and you know what you know what Chantel went through. Yeah, and I think they could have built that up quite nicely, but I don't think the stuff that Grey has done. You know, if I was in that situation, maybe she's got incredible instincts, mm-hmm. but like the way that they play Linda as a bit of a kind of woman child, um, I don't believe that she has those instincts. Um, no. And also, I don't think Grey has done enough, like, to recognizably, you know, be someone, at least for, for kind of Tina, to be able to see that, like, maybe there's something up with him, particularly because Shirley hasn't seen it at all. So how has Tina suddenly seen it? And I get maybe because she was with through, went through that situation. I don't know. Am I, am I being unfair to Tina? I don't think you're being unfair. I think that, I think it's like, we talked about this last week, so maybe we won't go into it loads, but just like the way they've taken the Grey storyline, it feels to me like they don't really know what they're doing. They're kind of like trying to make it fit into everything else and they haven't really got like a clear resolution to it and it's not really getting the platform it deserves considering like the seriousness of that storyline um and so i just feel like that's a bit of like continuation of that chaos right do you think the tosh uh kind of stuff had been planned far in advance because for me it feels like quite a kind of late addition yeah i think they're like really scrambling to find the the real connections between tina and this storyline like it's a little bit odd yeah well who knows like if you know ultimately i think we're both glad the storyline hasn't disappeared yeah um so if this is how it gets resolved then for me so be it yeah i guess so yeah i mean something needs to happen yeah exactly exactly so tina also was um a little bit involved with mick and linda this week in that she oversaw um oversaw i mean it sounds like she's like running it but like like over here <laughs> well you know tina has hidden debts maybe she is the uh she's running everything on the square but yeah she saw a little tender moment between max and linda and obviously went to tell mick about it yeah and mick did not care and i think we kind of knew that he was in a place where he kind of knew what was going on and and we kind of found out that as much 
wasn't going on as we had been led to believe. Mm. Um, but we're now in a situation where it's it's a full blown affair now, right? It's finally happened. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. actually, now that we're on the topic of Linda, um, I realized this week that because we've been doing our kind of list of suspects, we've talked about Linda a little bit, but we actually didn't have her in our in the list of suspects, even though she kind of was quite clearly in that montage and she's she's pretty involved in the situation so maybe we should talk a little bit more about whether whether linda did it do you know this is really interesting because i have no memory of her being in the montage show so what was she doing in, in maybe that she scene? wasn't in the montage oh, okay. i feel like she was in the montage i don't know she definitely like <laughs> has a motivation and i think that we're supposed to think of her as a suspect and actually um because last week or was it this week? No, it was last week where Linda um, said, oh, Max was with me. And last week we were supposed to believe that was her giving Max an alibi, or that is what I did believe. Um, whereas... The other way around. starting to think, yeah, it's starting to look like this week that Linda was giving herself an alibi very cleverly. Mm, which is quite smart. And also her motivation will come down to the Lucy Beale Award and... Bobby and Peter revealing to her that uh, Ian had done a number on on Max and she wasn't going to get the money. So um, the the motivation is there. Um, For me, it's still, even if we were to put her on the list, like for me, it'd still be quite near the bottom. I I think she could have done it with Sharon. I would be happy with that. If it was Linda independent of Sharon, I... That storyline just would not give me any satisfaction whatsoever. No, <laughs> no, that'd be like very, very strange, very out of character, like very calculated. I mean, it was a little bit. Obviously, last Christmas we saw Linda get wrapped up in um, the the shooting of Keanu, so <laughs> it'd be a yeah. bit of a stretch for her to also try and murder Ian Beale uh, within the space of a year. Yeah, chill out. Give Linda a break. She doesn't need to be attacking and shooting people, please. Yeah. Because wasn't she the one who actually shot at Keanu? Last she was year? the one who did it, yeah. Because yeah, apparently brilliant. she's got a really excellent aim because she needs yeah. to shoot him in the arm. She was half cut and she turned <laughs> around and just shot and luckily landed in landed it in the arm. Yeah, I mean, go Linda. Skills. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the marksmanship on that woman. So how do you feel about Linda and Max finally getting it on? Okay, it's it's a sexy time that is wonderful to see. So let's just get that out of the way. We all wanted to see it. We're, I'm glad to see it. Yeah. What I have an issue with, though, <laughs> in particular, is Max's complete lack of interest in Linda's alcoholism. And I'm not saying that with a view that, like, he should look after it and, like, you know, like, you know, that he, he should assume responsibility for something that, that Linda needs to, to be kind of, you know, leading on. Um, but I would say it's enabling behavior, like, as opposed to being neutral. Yeah, I was quite surprised for him on, on the Friday episode when she came around at the end for him to just be like, do you want a glass of wine? Yeah. I was like, like what? what? <laughs> You've been the person, like, keeping her sober. But then he never got the glass of wine, did he? Well, because then they had sexy time, but I don't think yeah. that was an in, you know indication that he's not going to do it again. Well, I mean, we do know that Max is a scumbag. Yeah, but I was hoping he would leave like in a less scumbagish way. But uh... <laughs> yeah, you really wanted that Max transformation, didn't you, for him to go out on a high? 
Well, because for me, because we've always had glimpses of like Max being a decent person, and particularly I love the relationship that he has with Bobby. And it's a bit like we all, uh, you know, account for the fact that Max is a bad person, particularly when it comes to kind of getting his end away. Um, but like, also, he does do quite sweet and nice things, and you would think he might have learned something throughout his life, but apparently not. Yeah, and he has up until this point seemed to really care about Linda. Well, yeah, so this is why the alcohol stuff really bothers me. I totally get why, like, he has an affection for Linda and why they would gravitate towards each other, but the alcohol stuff, like, really bugs me. Yeah, although maybe this was him, like, because what the other things that he said during that scene were things that were really, like, very kind and were kind of like the opposite to what she's experiencing at home. So all she's really had from Mick in the last few months is like him very understandably being like very vigilant about her drinking um, and kind of like looking after her as an alcoholic, but like not really, not really kind of connecting with the depth of her as a person, obviously recently just being like absolutely awful to her. So Max kind of like was a real antidote to that. Yeah, but he he offered the wine before she asked for it, right? Like if it was if it was the case of like, you know, uh she'd asked for it and then he went into this lecture about alcoholism and it was I thought really she irritating. asked for it. I thought she was like, Can I have a glass of wine? He was like, Yes, it's in the kitchen. Well, okay, fair enough. But either way, I feel like the whole scene was basically he he's very, very indifferent to, yeah, to helping her manage her addiction. It's the same old Max. Yeah. That's it. He just wants the thrill of the affair. And I would love the thrill of the affair. Do the thrill of the affair, but keep it sober. <laughs> Maybe you will. Hopefully you will. I don't, I don't think they can't do alcoholic Linda two Christmases in a row, can they? Or can they? Well, I mean, the thing is, as portrayals of like addiction go, like, fair enough. Like, it, you know, yeah, it, it could happen. So, but, you know, also give space. There's just too much going on like in the square. There is a lot. There's a lot going on. In fact, talking of which, shall we uh, we get straight into now the the meaty suspect storylines? Although I guess maybe we should talk about Stuart and Rainey first because they had a storyline that didn't directly involve Ian this week. Well, I maybe we should talk about Mick first, just because okay. we're on obviously Max yeah. and Linda, and there was quite a lot of Mick. I am so excited about the Stuart and Rainey scene. I'm like <laughs> jumping ahead. It is very exciting. I'm sure all our listeners basically only want us to talk about that. So we'll talk about Mick very quickly. We will. We will. will. Let's finish the Carters, though, as you say. Let's, yeah, let's do the Carters. Uh, Mick still just having an awful time. It's a miserable storyline. It's very, very sad. Oh, God. But like, they're kind of, they've really like given up any sense that like of ambiguity when it comes to Katie. She's just full on evil. So evil. Um, Actually, I think we should listen to a clip of her being completely evil. If we have to, yeah. (laughs) I need to tell her what I'm going through. It's the only way I'm going to save my marriage. Maybe, but what is there to save? Cheating isn't the cause of a relationship ending. It's a symptom of a relationship that's ended. I'm sorry, but it's true. So what are you saying to me? What? It's over, yeah? Just leave her. She's already left you. How much support is she offering you? How much joy? 
And if she can't do that now, when you're like this, will she ever? Why do you even need to be here? It's worth thinking about. Just so evil. Do you know what I really like about the scenes with Katie? Because... You know, if if you kind of looked on on those scenes without the kind of background of the storyline, you'd be a bit like, "Why is Mick taking like the opinion of this person uh, so seriously when it comes to his marriage?" But I think what's really good about the storyline is that the reason he's doing that is because you know it's an indication of how much power like she had over him when he was younger, and yes, like decades have passed since then. But your mind can go straight back there. Like, you know, you can be triggered yeah. back to like, you know, certain circumstances and, you know, people who, even though they shouldn't like objectively maybe have that much power over you because you're an adult now and you've got your own independence and finances and all these different things doesn't make a difference. Like these people can still hold power over you like that. Yeah, I think they've outlined that really well and they've given us enough backstory that we understand that she's been building this power and this kind of level of manipulation over essentially an entire lifetime, obviously with gaps in it. But like, you know, when people, yeah, when manipulative people kind of go about things in such a long term way and kind of like prey on specific vulnerabilities, it's easy to see like how how he could fall into this again. Right, exactly. And actually, I think it's a good rebuke to some of the worst takes I've seen when like abuse storylines come up. Mm. Uh, when people say like, well, why don't you just stand up for yourself? Or like, particularly when they've reached adulthood, and people can't understand why these things stay with people, um, people who like otherwise seem like they're kind of, you know, in control of their lives. And I think this is quite a good, like portrayal of like, why, you know, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, and you see, you do see Mick kind of like trying to stand up for himself, but he's been right. totally bewildered. So there's two different scenes where like one where he's chucking out Katie from the flat and having a go at her and you're like, yes, go on, Mick. And then right. shortly afterwards, you see him do the exact same thing to Shirley. And right. he's like so disoriented in what he's feeling and where that should be directed. Right. And then and he still then accepts Katie back into mm. his life like even after that. So yeah, yeah. awful. Um, so all very sad and very sad to see Mick and Linda falling apart in the midst of it. Oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, cause I would have loved the Max and Linda affair to happen in slightly different circumstances, but, um, anyway, it is what it is. In fact, I would never have loved it cause that's a marriage falling apart, but you know what I mean, right? I know I'm so torn between being yeah. devastated about Mick and Linda falling apart and then just being like, so pro Max and Linda. Oh dear, oh dear. All right, shall we move on to a couple who've been united by disturbing events? Yeah, the storyline everyone wants to hear about. I was saying to Una before the podcast that uh, I'm gonna, I'm tempted to play the Adams Family theme tune, like when we <laughs> when we talk about Stuart and Rainey. I'm sorry, but this week was insane. It was insane. Yeah, I, I messaged I messaged you at the time, right, to basically be like, <laughs> yeah. have you seen this? And I don't know if I feel like they've gone too far or whether it's perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. On, um, I think, Tuesday's episode was the, the reveal that the night that Ian Beale was whacked, uh, Stuart was off beating up D.I. Thompson. Um, right. Yeah, and so after that reveal, I was like, oh, my God, this is nuts and also i was really i think i was really concerned because i was like well that's the point of no return really for Stuart and rainey like they can't be 
kind of in-depth, long-term characters if they've done right. this. Exactly. And then obviously, the Thursday's episode, everything changed. Yeah, exactly. And in that kind of, you know, gap in between like us realizing that D.I. Thompson isn't dead, I was initially like gutted that, that you know, they've decided to just yeah. fully lean into like this slightly kind of macabre like aspect of their relationship and the fact they work at the funeral parlor. But then another part was to be a bit like, okay, you know what? I am gutted, but if they just did a storyline of them just like <laughs> accumulating bodies and like, but in a kind of Robin Hood way, like I don't know if you've ever seen the show Dexter, um, but like that was a show about serial killer, but only went after bad guys. Um, and it was brilliant. Like, um, and I was like, okay, if they're going to do like a Dexter with these guys, then just do it, just fully do it. Although I am ultimately glad that it looks like, although they did do something, he did do something pretty awful. Yeah. Um, but I hope they kind of get away with that now. It looks like they're going to get away with it. And yeah, I'm, I'm very relieved. And I think I feel the same in that, like, I, I was like, I am so rooting for Stuart. I think as everyone is rooting for Stuart and Rainey um, as this like long-term couple and we want them to be happy and we want them to be on the square for a long time. But then also like they are so good at these storylines. <laughs> They're so funny. <laughs> and actually maybe it was quite clever of the writers to be like, you know what, we're going to do a little nod to it. Um, because because also their circumstances suits it really well, right? They've got yeah. this past. You know, Stuart has got this temper that comes out on a, on occasion and they work at a funeral parlor. <laughs> so like maybe, you know, they've always had it in the back of their mind of going like, if we could do like fantasy standards, we'd have Stuart and Rainey be serial killers. So this was like a little nod, but then they pulled back from it. So, you know, thank yeah, you very they did. much. And I think ultimately they're going to find a way to kind of make this go away for Stuart and not impact them in the long term. Yeah, but it was so good though. It was so good. Like, I've just got to say though, like people on people on Alfred, um, people on Albert Square need to learn how to check a pulse. Oh God, yeah. I it's mean, ridiculous. Like, like, how many characters have died and come back to life? Yeah, well, there was that Christmas, right? Of like, there were three. Alfie. <laughs> there were three in one Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and also, then you put aside the characters that come back from the dead as well. So, um, like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, the thing is, as well, they're gonna have to do a little bit of explaining about how, like, I don't know how cold storage works, but like, is it easy to just you put them in the fridge? Yeah, like, and is it that easy for him to get out? I mean, yeah, maybe we'll get a whole flashback episode about it. Also, like, you know, not to get too kind of morbid and stuff, but I've lifted a coffin. Like, I'm sure a lot of us have a mm. funeral and stuff. Like, they are heavy. Like, <laughs> dead bodies are heavy. Like, what they didn't know is the coffin was empty. <laughs> I mean, apparently not. Although I've never heard the members of staff that they uh, referenced. I can't remember what the names are, but I've never heard of them before. So maybe they're new. Maybe it was the first coffin they've ever picked up. Yeah, but... <laughs> Okay, fine. I know. Fine. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, but we've got to let it be ridiculous. A lot of artistic license, which I'm very willing to give them when it comes to Stuart and Rainey. Should we listen to a little bit of the ridiculousness? Yes, please. <laughs> Two, three. When did you last check that he was actually in here? You didn't, did you? 
I checked when I was putting him in here. You are unbelievable. The only reason I didn't check is because I was so busy looking for you. You run a funeral parlour, sweetheart. At what point did you think it was okay not to check that the deceased is, in fact, deceased? He hit his head really, like, really hard. In my defence, he was out cold. You kidnapped and practically killed a copper. You don't get a defence. Well, let's just hope he hit his head so hard he forgot what happened to him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you think that's how they're going to resolve it just before we move on from that storyline? Do you think D.I. Thompson is just not going to remember? <laughs> I kind of hope so. Yeah, which would be really funny so. and silly, but also totally fine with it. Yeah, it was really funny. Uh, it's done what I wanted from it. So happy for that, to, yeah, for D.I. Thompson just to not remember it and everyone to be okay. Lovely stuff. Well, there we go then. <laughs> so just if we, uh, this is probably a good, good point to then just briefly talk about Stuart and Rainey's involvement with, with Ian's storyline. I think, I think we're now 100% firmly say that they didn't do it. They're out. We know what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, Rainey had a relapse and Stuart was off um, not murdering D.I. Thompson. Okay, good. All right. We are ruling them out. Uh, let's, shall we move on to, who shall we move on to? Uh, maybe we should move on to Ben. It's quite a lot of Ben this week. Yeah. Yeah, obviously Ben uh, was filmed going into the pub by the Minute Mart. Cameras, mm-hmm. incredible definition on those cameras, by the They're way. Very unusual for CCTV, but I mean, yeah. I guess the Panasars did set it up. So That is true. It's almost the same level of quality as the cameras <laughs> that they just used to film EastEnders. Really funny, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, I, quite, I enjoyed Ben this week. I kind of... Um, Gave me a glimpse of gave me a glimpse of Ben when new Ben when he first came back on the square and kind of pre Ben and Callum, um, who I just I just really enjoyed Ben back then. Yeah, I did. I, I have to say though, and I'm, it's it's not a like it, this this isn't going to bother me in the long term. There's always been a little bit of a thing with the new Ben where on occasion I find this transformation into like full on badass gangster a little bit hard to swallow and like it came a little bit to the fore this week although i guess we did get the scene of him being like completely distressed and asking like his dad for for help so maybe we got a glimpse of the old ben um but yeah on occasion i'm a bit like i think they need to get that balance a bit more in sync now between like the ben you know dancing ben and gangster ben we, we need a bit bit more of a balance i think sometimes oh if we could have dancing ben back that i'd love to see new ben do a lady gaga routine Oh my God, please, for Shirley, <laughs> as a throwback. Yeah, that would be so lovely. So we saw, I mean, Ben, well, we basically saw the start of the Panasars versus the Mitchells. Yes, please. That scene between Suki and Phil was perfect. Oh, just incredible. I didn't know that what I wanted to see was the Mitchells versus the Panasars, but it, it is, it really is. Do you know what, actually, I think it also goes back to our conversation last week about how they are quite different when it comes to their kind of, you know, gangster ways. And we talked about Bill being kind of chaos and fury and Suki being kind of precise and like forensic. And that scene was such a perfect example of like the difference in the way they behave. Yeah, they really spelled it out for us, didn't didn't they, as a kind of like ultimate battle between like which gangsters are going to own the square. 
Oh, my God. The only thing, though, with the Panasars, and I think they're going to do it, so I'm not worried about it, but I think they need to kind of complete like the kind of family myth because right now it's a little bit disparate. We've obviously lost Jags. Like Ash is a, is a doctor and occasionally gets involved. Vinny, we just barely see. I haven't seen Vinny um, in ages. Yeah, exactly, right? And Kira is the only one who's there um, to kind of, you know, build like the Panasars, like kind of myth on the square. But I think mm-hmm. we're going to see like the dad turn up at some point we're going to see like i think they've mentioned an uncle turn up at some point so um then you know in the way that they've built up like the various mitchells over the years yeah i mean i think it's gonna i think they're gonna be around for a long time and we've got we've got plenty of time for them to kind of let all that stuff unfold um but yeah this week i just absolutely loved seeing like suki all cool calm and collected against phil just (laughs) chaos with a baseball bat I know, I know, such an <laughs> oaf, such an oaf. But um, should we? Do you want to listen to a little clip of that? I always want to listen to a clip of uh, of Suki. Violence is never the answer, Phil. Try using words instead of your fists for once. How's this? The next thing I'll smash up won't be just a few computer screens. when i say it does oh what a confrontation really uh really exciting yeah so so perfect and there was a point at which in that confrontation where you're not quite sure like how much like suki is bluffing or whether she has got supreme confidence and i kind of Mm. like the fact that they haven't stripped any vulnerability from her because you don't want you know characters to be like you know superhuman and I think there was, you could kind of hear it in that exchange. Like there was a bit of a point in which you could maybe say Suki was a little bit scared, but also she's got this other side of her, which automatically goes to kind of calling someone like Phil's bluff. Um, and uh, it paid off. Yeah, she was definitely like testing the water there, testing the boundaries. And you could see a little bit of a wobble, but yeah, you're right. It definitely paid off. Go on, Suki. Um, and then, by the way, um, who who was taking pictures of Jags in the prison? <laughs> the Mitchell's contacts, I guess. Brilliant, incredible, and I love how they were, like printed out nicely as well. Um, yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, just on a phone. Yeah, I'm just imagining like Ben going into like the car lot and like having to like reconnect the printer he hasn't used in years. <laughs> check the ink. He prints one, and only half of it prints out. The paper gets stuck. He's an old school guy. Right. They never show any of that, like when it comes to like gangster behavior, like everything runs smoothly, but everybody has printer issues. There must be a lot of admin in the background. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, Suki seemed like strangely actually worried about Jags. Well, I think it's more pride, right? Like it's like if anybody is going to kind of deal with Jags, it's her and nobody else, right? All right. If someone's going to have Jags killed in prison, it's going to be Suki. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. 
We also saw by the end of the week, actually, that Suki kind of thinks that Kira whacked Ian. Yeah, exactly. And that's and, and he did. I mean, he did. He pushed him into the car. Um, and I think this is the other thing about this storyline that I think we're probably going to let them get away with. But like, I still don't buy the idea that there was a fatal blow. We, we now know that there were at least two preceding attacks uh, on, on Ian before the yeah. attack in the pub. And I don't think it's really fair for like whoever did it in the pub to take sole responsibility. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be fair, really, would it? No, no. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, there, there's an argument that says that Kira and Tina both did it. Yeah, there is. But come on, we know someone else dealt that final blow. By the way, what an evening for Ian as well is that right now we know he suffered three attacks <laughs> in one evening. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got his head banged on the back of a table and there was yeah. blood on the carpet there was blood on the car and he then had like a he had brain damage well not brain damage but he had a you know an injury to his head in the pub um wow that is a pretty shit evening yeah pretty wild evening but i mean he only went to hospital for a week and now he's completely fine apparently so it's all worked out pretty well for him god bless the nhs i'm gonna give them <laughs> another another clap um for <laughs> For their service to the nation. <laughs> the amount of time they've saved someone from the square. Woo! They're frontline workers. They are <laughs> smashing it. <laughs> by the way, I'm being facetious. Obviously, I do love the NHS, by the way. We love is. the NHS. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we also, I mean, we didn't really get to find out much more about what this connection is between Kira and Peter. No, and I still maintain it's to do with uh, the Panasars trying to get the pub. So, like, maybe Bobby was not Bobby, sorry, Peter was getting information for them that would enable that. But I wouldn't quite like them to just say at this point because I'm not intrigued. I'm just irritated at not knowing. Yeah, me too. It's almost like making me not concentrate properly. I'm just like, can you just tell me what's going on? I mean, I think Peter. Peter, for me, again, was like pretty bizarre this week. We saw him like suddenly go off on a rant about about Bobby and said, well, you know, he's been focused on Ian for so long, but this week he was like really angry about Bobby. Um, he had his rant in the market and then he just like started having a go at Kathy until Ben came and shut him up. Yeah, what, what is like up with the new Peter? Like why has he got so much kind of, you know, grievance towards like his family in the entire square? Well, I mean, he is a Beale, and his twin sister was murdered. So I guess, like, it does make sense that he might be an angry person. <laughs> but who asked him to come back? Like, this, this right. is the thing that bothers me is that, fine, maybe he's separated from Lauren. That's fine. That doesn't mean you can't live in New Zealand and be near your family. Yeah. And it's like every week he's got a new person that he's angry with. Yeah. It's, it's, quite one-dimensional and although i think i said last week i was kind of now into this like moody peter i'm i'm not into it anymore no i'm kind of i just i don't believe him it's a little bit like dotty for me where she's like a bit all over the place really angry at one person one week really angry at someone else this week and i just like don't feel connected to their motivations right right i I don't have the same view of dotty but given how you've described about like how you feel about Dotty, I totally get it, particularly when it comes to Peter, because that's where I am with Peter in that, like, uh, I, I think they've kind of also written his character into a corner now where yeah. um, I don't 
sadly to say, I'm sorry to say this, I don't think the actor has got enough range to do this. But also I think they've written the storylines in a way that, what else are they going to do with him now? Yeah, no, I really don't know. I just can't see him kind of like hanging around on the square for a long time. I mean, because he he doesn't even, as a character, work very well in those kind of like storyline supporting roles because he's not got much to him other than like these random rants about Lucy or about Ian. And it's not interesting enough to sustain a character because you can make an argument that like Suki is relatively one-dimensional, but it's, you, you know, that a character aspect plays into really exciting storylines. Yeah. While Peter's single, like, character, uh, you know, characteristic, it, it's not interesting enough to sustain storylines around him. Mm, yeah. No, I totally agree. I don't really know where they're going with this. And I sort of, I guess my hope is that we get the spotlight off Peter relatively soon. I think neither of us really think that he's going to be the one who who ultimately did it. No, and I think that we got the red herring at the end of the week where he admits that he did it, um, but we don't know what he was admitting to, and I don't think it was that. And maybe we're going to find out that Ian suffered a fourth attack that night, which would be hilarious, but I don't think it'll be the attack <laughs> in the pub. No, I don't, I don't think it will. Everyone's <laughs> attacked Ian, basically. Everyone both did and did not do it. Well, do you know what? Can we? I, I don't know if this is a good segue, but I f- just want to go back to Sharon because Sharon has been our chief suspect, mm-hmm. and I think this is now the first time where I'm having a bit of a wobble when it comes to that. <gasps> oh my god! Tell me more. Well, I think the scenes of her being back behind the bar with Ian, like she's so easy breezy uh, that. Okay, fair enough. Like, maybe she could just be like, you know, fine, you know, I'm now married to this person and I need to play this role um, if my ultimate plan is going to succeed. But there's no hint that she's got a long-term plan to bring Ian down. In fact, she seems quite, you know, it's quite casual, her kind of relationship around Ian at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think... That is what we're seeing on screen, but I think that's just going to make the ultimate reveal even more satisfying. Yeah, I think the yeah, yeah. Also, you know, fair enough. They don't have to like sh- give us hints at all, to be honest. But like, yeah, it, I don't know. I just feel like with her, if there is a reveal, they're basically probably to say decided to be like, okay, we're going to write it as if she's got no plan. Yeah, yeah, and maybe the actor doesn't even know. Right, quite possible. Right. Yeah. Um, just to quickly, one thing that we didn't cover with Ben was that we also found out, I think, that Phil doesn't really know where Ben was that night. Well, but, but okay, so he didn't know where Ben was that night, but um, now he does know because he knows there is footage of him going into the pub. Yeah, but he just doesn't know. Like, it just seemed like Phil's not in on it. Last week, I think we were speculating that it could be Sharon and Phil and Ben is kind of in on it, but didn't actually do it. It seems like Phil is totally out of the loop with whatever happened. Okay, given the way then that Sharon discovered Ian, so she comes down the stairs, she shouts out for Ian. I don't think that was performative because there was nobody to perform to, so she didn't need to do a fake like, oh, I'm calling out for Ian, even though I know I attacked him earlier. Mm. We know that she's got a co-conspirator. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, if we're ruling out Phil, who is it? Dotty. Okay. Lexi. It's Lexi. Well, okay, fine. It is Lexi, so we know it's Lexi. But if it's not <laughs> Lexi, you did actually say Dotty the other week. Yeah, I think it could be 
Dotty. Could it be Bobby? We haven't spoken about Bobby. Mm, no, don't think it's Bobby. No, well, for me, I don't think it's Bobby. No. Do you think there's any chance at all that it could be Kathy? I mean, I would kind of be into it. Like, it would be really silly, but like, I would kind of be into it. It would be so silly. Um, yeah, I would kind of be up for it. I mean, she's been very distraught about um, Ian being in hospital. So it'd be, I think I would struggle to believe it, but um, it would be satisfying. I think, okay, so we've kind of, I think, gone through most of the, the storylines when it comes to Ian being attacked this week. Do you, have you got any kind of dramatic reassessments of the suspects? I know we've ruled some people out. So I think Stuart, Rainey, Phil, um, Bobby, we kind of had ruled out already. But have you got, in terms of the top suspects, which I think we talked about as being Peter, Sharon, maybe still Max, uh, is there any kind of rearrangement you want to do? I've got a question mark about Linda now. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. But Linda by herself or Linda with Sharon? No, I think it, I, I think Linda with Sharon is a possibility now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would probably say, yeah, that is probably the best shout. If we're going to keep Sharon in the frame, she needs another person. And I think Linda is, is a good shout. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance... It's not Sharon. I know you've got doubts this week, but like, I mean, we've been pretty set on this from the beginning. Uh, for me now, it's a joint first uh, of her and uh, Peter. Although I know it kind of goes back on what I said earlier about, you know, Peter admitting it last week was a red herring, mm. but it could be like a bluff, a double bluff, a triple bluff, what have you. So yeah. I now put her on a par with uh, with Peter. And also ultimately it could be Peter and Sharon. It could be Peter and Sharon. Yeah. I feel like that'd be less interesting to me than it being Bobby and Sharon. <laughs> Bobby and Sharon. Was <laughs> but the thing is, is that there would be a certain amount of cruelty on Bobby that um, to involve him in that. And I don't think Sharon would be the person to to involve Bobby in something like that. It'd be pretty ruthless of Sharon, wouldn't it? Yeah, I just don't... She's too <laughs> maternal um, yeah. when it comes to, like, Bobby, so I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, okay, I think that we have, we have wrapped up on our storylines this week. We have. You, there were so many storylines that, if there are any more, I just don't think we should go into them. That's so. too many. It's too many. We're drawing a line on it, guys. We're drawing a line. So uh, I think it's time for the question. I'm going to ask you first. I feel like we should take it in turns. Okay. Um, you can do a little song? Una. A little, little theme tune? Um, I might be about to do a theme tune. <laughs> Who is your EastEnder of the week? Woo! Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Very much. Uh, made all the more awkward by like me being in my family home. So they're probably <laughs> overhearing me do that, thinking, I really what hope is going so. on? What's yeah, going on? So. But anyway, there we go. Everyone in my household is used to me singing along to the EastEnders theme tune at uh, top volume every yeah. single night. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, my EastEnder of the week is, I suspect you might have the same one. Um, it's got to be Kim. It actually isn't Kim, but I think an absolutely stupendous shout. We got so much from Kim this week. I think often like, cause you know, cause she is often just char comedy character. We get like one or two episodes where she's really present. I loved it this week. We got like loads of Kim every single episode. It was amazing. 
and all like the kind of different aspects of Kim. So like Kim with a family, Kim in the workplace, Kim yeah. thirsting over a man. Exactly. Like, I don't know if you clocked that line where she said, where Isaac turned down the bad Santa role and she was like, oh, is it because of Karen me tooing you? I did clock it. I did clock it. <laughs> Do you know what? I, d- I decided not to comment on it because I feel like, I don't think we do this too much, but like, you know, we can cover the serious aspects like of EastEnders quite well. And yeah. I just thought, you know what, let's let that one s- slide um, um, because it was very funny. It was so funny. Yeah. yeah. I just, I love her so much. So Nav, who yes. is your EastEnder of the week? Woo-hoo! Okay, so... I think this is, you know, sometimes when we do this segment, like it's basically the last person we thought of that was really good. (laughs) And I think this week in particular, like trying to choose someone is a little bit arbitrary. So if you ask me at a different point, I'd probably choose a different person. Um, But right now, I'm actually going to choose Denise. Um, Yes. Yeah, because you know what I really liked about her character this week is that she plays like this role of like, somebody who's like trying like and you know instinctually she's like not interested in like the god stuff and the church stuff um but her just like dealing with like patrick and kim <laughs> uh trying to you know chat to the pastor about like how do i sort yeah. this out i just thought she was really good yeah she was great i do hope that we get to see denise loosen up a little bit over christmas though obviously before her serial killer husband comes back <laughs> But even there was a kind of lightness to even like how she yeah. played the scenes last week. Like I don't think she was like everything must be like you know uh, strictly in adherence to a Christian Christmas. Um, so yeah, I think I think we you know we we'll get a bit more of that her comedy scenes with Patrick and Kim before her serial killer ex turns up. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. We get some cheerful Denise. Are we uh, reviving the prediction segment this week? I mean, I feel like, again, it's been a whole episode of predictions and it will be until we find out who whacked Ian. I think, I think let's leave it. I think there are so many disappointing predictions happening in the world right now <laughs> that I don't think we should add to that. Yeah, it's 2020. We can't predict things anymore. Yeah, let's leave it. Let's leave it. Let's not tempt fate. <laughs> I think before we close off this, uh, this episode, we want to make a special announcement, right? Yeah, we do. Go for it. I'm giving you the honours. Oh, I'm doing the announcement. Okay, very exciting. Um, So we'll be bringing you a bonus episode. Obviously, we'll be back uh, next weekend with our roundup of actual Christmas EastEnders, which is incredibly exciting. But before the new year, we'll also be bringing out a a bonus episode roundup of 2020 on EastEnders. We're going to like hand out some awards for, I don't know, sexiest character. Woo-hoo! We are gonna objectify the shit out of everybody Yay. on Uh So keep your eyes out for that. Eyes out. Keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears unsealed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we've wrapped up. Um, we hope you all enjoy your week. Yeah, enjoy your week, and uh, hope you uh, you listen again next week. Yeah, um, we'll be with you again next weekend. Bye. Bye.